0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Guys, wow, wow, thank you. That is, that is so kind. I, I'm, I'm deeply touched. Thank you for that. Thank you. Um, well, as we, start, as we start this brand new series we are going to be pressing into that was so lame i know <laughs> and yet when i woke up this morning i thought how am i going to intro this message i know i'll talk about myself in the third person that'll be hilarious as we ask the question what does it look like to be a gathering a church a community that jesus dreamed about that is for norcal that when people that when people hear about new life they would say i don't know i don't know about jesus I don't know yet, but I know that when I'm around some of those new life people, I'm drawn to them. I'm encouraged by them. I'm loved by them. They, they seem to really deeply care about people. They, they live and give and serve and look outside of themselves. They're not protecting what happens within these four walls, but they are living for the sake of the world. And, and it got me asking some big questions. What's the point of this whole thing? I mean, can we, can we be honest? We gather together here regularly. Why? What's the point? And I was thinking about a movie. I think this movie came out in the 90s, and it was a, a deeply philosophical movie that asked some really, really big questions about life. Questions that I ask, questions that you ask. I want you to take a look at the screens at City Slickers. Oh, You're a dying breed. Still means something to me, though. A couple of days, we'll move this herd across the river. Driving through the valley. Oh. <laughs> There's nothing like bringing in a herd. See, now that's great. Your life makes sense to you. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny? You city folk, you worry about a lot. Of... <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, how old are you? 38. 39. Yeah. You all come up here about the same age, same problems. Spend about 50 weeks a year getting knots in your rope, and then, and then you think two weeks up here will untie them for you. None of you get it. Do you know what the secret of life is? No, What? this your finger one thing just one thing you stick to that and everything else don't mean that's great but what's the one thing (sighs) that's what you gotta figure out here's the really great news for you and for me this morning curly's right there's one thing But you don't got to figure it out, because Jesus already told you what it is. Now, if you're here today and you're a Jesus follower, I want to invite you into the story of Jesus to listen to the one who we would say, you know what, he is, he's the leader and he's the savior of my life. And he said it, and so I want to live in it because I believe, and maybe you believe too, anyone who can predict their own death and resurrection— and pull it off, I'm gonna go with what they have to say about life. But maybe you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus yet. I wanna invite you into this story because I'm telling you, Jesus knows the way that life works best. And if you live guided by what Jesus says, your life will work. So Jesus gathers a group of people together. They were Jewish men and women, and they had followed him for about three years as he taught and healed people and served and cared for people, as he came up with some run-ins against the religious establishment. And he said, God's not way over there, but God is actually here. He's come into your midst. And Jesus took the Old Testament scriptures, and there were 613 laws about the one thing. And he pared them down. Well, the Old Testament went to then 10, the big 10, God's top 10 list. Jesus pared it down to two as he walked through the rows. And then, 36 hours before he would go to the cross, Jesus gets into a a room with 12 of his favorite guys, and they stink, and they're dirty. It's It's like a junior high sleepover, okay? Just to Get yourself there. It's a combination of body odor and Old Spice. And they're in this room, and I know that's disgusting. And Jesus, they sit around a table. Jesus, he takes off his robes, and he he grabs a towel, and he gets down. And he starts to wash their dirty, stinky, sweaty, Old Spice-smelling feet. And then he gets up, and the whole community is waiting on bated breath. What's he going to say now? And as Jesus thinks about what the next day and a half will bring, his arrest, his trial, beating, and crucifixion. And as Jesus realizes that very quickly, he's about to leave the entire enterprise to these 12 guys, He looks at them and he says this, and we find it in John chapter 13, verse 34. He says, a new command I give to you, love one another, to which the 12 disciples would have said, that's not a new command. You've already given us the golden rule. Love God and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. And Jesus says, I'm not done yet. Just slow down, guys. Eat some turkey. Have some tryptophan. Slow down. There's more. Jesus says, as I have loved you. Remember that thing I just did with the towel and the dirt and the mud and your feet? And it was awkward for you. And it was was a little awkward for me. As I have loved you. So you must love one another. If love your neighbor as yourself, treat others the way you want to be treated is the golden rule. Jesus then takes it up a notch and gives us the platinum rule. Don't love the way you want to be loved. Love the way you have been loved by me as you go out into the world. But the problem with love is love is such a nebulous word in our country, isn't it? I mean, I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my dog. I've got two. I love one of them. I like the other one a lot. I love my dog. Dogs. Uh, right? Love my dog. I love the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are God's team. It's a fact. Because Jesus says God loves the least, the lost, and the last And for the last 10 years, my Chicago Bears have been right about the last. And God holds a special place in his heart for my Chicago Bears. I love my Chicago Bears. I love super burritos. Love super burritos. But I don't love super burritos like I love the Bears, like I love my dogs, uh, like I love my wife or my kids. The problem is love is so nebulous. So if we just said, we just got to love people. Let's just love people. Hey, let's love people. It doesn't— actually translate into any sort of unified vision. So Jesus says, I'm going to get more specific. I want you to love people the way that I have loved you. Loving like Jesus, you could say this. Loving like Jesus is a self-sacrificing sort of love that looks to love the good, that loves for the good of the other person. I love my children, which is why I make them eat healthy food sometimes when mom's around. <laughs> now, my children don't feel loved by this. Salad, again, every night. It's like, I know, I know. She makes me do it too, I know. <laughs> but it's not loving to feed our kids flaming Hot Cheetos and nacho sauce every night. That's a weekend treat. And so sometimes... We love, and it, it, it's it's always for the good. It seeks the good of the other person, even when it costs us. I talk about generosity a lot because generosity is one of those places where it literally, actually, costs us to love other people. Serving is a time and place where it actually costs us to love other people. And Jesus says, listen, I don't want you to get lost, because honestly, you could do a ton of stuff right, but get love wrong, and it wouldn't really matter all the stuff you did right. Now, conversely, you can get a lot of stuff wrong, but if you genuinely love people, it covers a multitude of the wrong. There's this guy named Paul who was this ancient thinker, philosopher, leader, women's and children's rights activist. Paul was this incredible guy. He picks up on this thought from Jesus, and he says this. If you have all the talent in the world, you're the most talented person in the room everywhere you go, but you don't love people, it's for nothing. If you— if you give all the money in the world away and you start charities and foundations, build hospitals, but you're doing it for show and you don't love people, it's for nothing. If you have the most beautiful voice, I keep trying to convince our worship teams that I have the most beautiful voice to join the team. If you have the most beautiful voice, but you do not love people, it ain't for nothing. And So the question that Jesus leaves us with. And it takes 613 laws down to 10 commands, down to two commands, down to one command. The question Jesus leaves us with, if we want to be for NorCal, is this question right here. What does love require of me today? Could you imagine what would happen? How it might upset the rhythm of our days if we asked that question every morning? what does love require, not of my spouse or my kids or my co-workers or my boss? What does love require of me today? And then Jesus gets even more specific. He goes on to talk about the circles of love. And I want to briefly lay these out. We'll talk about these throughout our series. By the way, we're going to be in this series for like nine weeks because love is a really, really big deal to Jesus. And he would go on to say, I'm telling you, if you get it, get it wrong, make mistakes, say the wrong thing, put your foot in your mouth. But if you know how to love people, if people genuinely know, oh my goodness, she loves me. He loves me. They're for me. They'll let you make a lot of mistakes. So Jesus goes on and he, he lays out kind of circles of love for us. And it starts with this, and it's a two-way street that God actually loves us. God's love, we're told, flows to us. Over and over again, Jesus tells stories about God like a perfect, powerful, loving, heavenly father who searches the streets and back alleys for a runaway child, who passionately pursues the object of God's love, which, by the way, you might not believe this yet, but it's you you're the object of God's passionate love, that God pursues us with his love, and then in response, we get to love God back. And then the circle gets bigger. Jesus would say this crazy thing, and we're going to spend a whole week on it next week, as Pastor Ron teaches us, that the next love is actually love of self. Not selfish love, but self-love. Jesus makes this crazy statement. He says, I want you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Which has an assumption in there, doesn't it? That you actually love the person who you look at in the mirror each day. Amen. We live in a world of broken identity and a broken understanding of self. And so sometimes we elevate ourselves too high and then we swing the pendulum and we we drop ourselves too low. So Ron's going to get into that we actually have to know how to love this person before we can love out. And then it expands. The next love is spouse. God actually designed marriage to be a training ground for love, that your spouse is the person who knows you better than anybody. And in God's ideal world, accepts you fully anyway. I say this all the time. I'm fun. I'm fun in half-hour doses. I'm a lot to live with every day. My wife's in here, and she's too polite to say amen. Amen. I I had a friend say to me a couple weeks ago, uh, Kevin, you realize that you would be a hard person to be married to. I I I was taken aback. Really? Yeah, you're kind of a lot to to take in all the time. You're a lot to deal with. And so God gives you a spouse so that you can fully know another human being and accept them in the beauty and the brokenness right there. And then God established the family, so kids come next. Moms, dads, did you know that we have the opportunity to be the first face of Jesus to our children way more than our preschool ministries can, our elementary school ministries can, our high school ministries can, which is why as we move forward into 2019, we are changing a whole paradigm around how we understand next-gen ministries. And we are striving deeply to equip and empower, empower you to love your kids. way God designed for them to be loved. And we're going to partner with you, and we're going to support you, and we're going to create such beautiful environments in our next generation ministries that your kids will be waking you up on Sunday morning and begging you to come to church, and they'll be crying when they leave because they had such a good time. And when you look at us and say, what do I do? My kids are crying. They're causing a scene. We'll say, we have a parenting seminar coming up in a few months to teach you how to deal with your crying, whining kids. But you and I, We're called to have a parenting love the way that God, who's described as a heavenly father, loves us to our kids. And then it goes out from there to other followers of Jesus, other Christians, and then from there to the world. The apostle Paul picks up on this thought, and he gives us kind of this in a nutshell. He says this in Galatians chapter chapter 6. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, so we wake up every morning and we ask this question, what does love require of me today? And then we look for opportunities. As we have the opportunity, let us do good to how many? To all people and especially those who belong to the family of believers. I want to throw that chart back up on the screen for just a second. There's a reason why God formed them this way. We can't actually love here in our world or here, other Christians, if we do not love this person right here. And I'll say this, some of us are better at these circles than others. Actually, we all are. We probably all have a spot. Some of us, man, we're so good right here. We love that time with God. We pour our hearts out. It's like if you could do anything, you would be a monastic. You would like stay up in a tower, read your Bible, be alone, contemplative and prayer. Uh, you're great here. But then maybe you're kind of lousy here. I don't want to be around the world. Or some of us, we're great at loving Christians, but we turn a blind eye to the things of the world. I would say this if it's not working in any of these areas, it's not working. If if I find myself great at loving people in our church, and I pour myself out for loving you, but I've got nothing left to give to my wife, if my love isn't working for her, my love isn't working at all. And if my kids grow up, and they say, man, dad really loved the church and really loved the world, but He was always too tired to dig a hole for me at the beach or play catch or let me sit in his lap. He always had a meeting to run to. If it's not working for them, but it's working for these guys here, it's not working at all. So Jesus is very specific about the circles of love and how we do that and how how we live. What would it do to your life if you walked out these doors today and said, God, what does love require of me? And then you just started thinking through these different circles. Thinking about your spouse or kids, other Christians, people in the world. For some of us, we think, uh, that would be so overwhelming. (laughs) There's no way I could possibly do that. If you're thinking that, you're not alone. These 12 guys in the room, they looked at Jesus and there were crickets. They thought he was crazy. Uh, Jesus, do you realize that we are 12 men, most of us uneducated? How can we love and transform the world? We're just a small group. And Jesus would go on to say, here's the secret, that you can actually love deeply because God's spirit is living within you. Now, if you're here and you're brand new to church, we believe something, and you might think it's kind of kooky and weird, but we believe it to be true that God reveals God's self as God, the heavenly father, as Jesus who came from heaven to earth, God in a bod, wrapped in flesh to show us what relationship with God would look like to give his life for us. And we believe that God dwells in a spirit that actually partners with those of us who follow him. That might seem weird to you, but the more you're around, you'll see there's something different about these Jesus followers. And I would argue that it's actually God's spirit living within us and actually leading us To love. That's why I believe if you just ask this question, God, what does love require of me today? That God will faithfully answer it and show you how to love. But God's Spirit doesn't leave us there. God's Spirit actually empowers us to love. He shows us who to love, and then He gives us the strength to love. And we live in a community and we live in a world that is in desperate Desperate desire for love and hope. And it can be overwhelming sometimes. And this is why we need God. Because any of us can love on a sprint. Come on, I go on vacation. Man, I can love Maria well on vacation. There's no responsibilities, there's no kids, we're having a great time. Then we get back into life in the real world and it's like it's hard to love your spouse. I mean not my not my spouse. I just want to be very clear. But like other people Yeah. Let alone our kids, good grief. They're little monsters. Not my kids. And then there's this whole church full of people. And man, the more people come, and, and listen, we, we gather like five or 600 of us each week. That's just this gathering. You get to Easter, where it's like 1,000, my goodness. How do you love 1,000 people? You can't love 1,000 people. And then there's Sonoma County. We've got 112,000 people we're trying to love. And then there's the world. Are you kidding me? It becomes a lot, which is why we need God to show us who to love, to show us how to love, and to empower us to love. And here's the magic of this. Let's go back to Jesus' statement. He says, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And by this, this is his very next sentence, by this, everyone, which is the watching world, everyone will know that you are my disciples or followers if you love one another. So how does this play out after Jesus' Was crucified, rose again. He spent time with a group of people. Over five hundred people saw him alive after he was crucified, and then we're told he he rose or he ascended into heaven to be with God, the Father. How did this whole enterprise work out from this group of at that point about five hundred people moving forward? Well, it worked out pretty good. Over the next two hundred years in the Roman Empire, which is uh, the empire that was ruling the area where Jesus lived. Over the next 200 years, even though Christianity was illegal, Christianity grew from 0.02% to 10% of the population in the Roman world. Why? Because the community learned how to love. And so the Roman emperor sent Roman spies into these Christian gatherings to figure out what was going on because it was spreading like wildfire. That is an inappropriate phrase to use in Sonoma County right now. I apologize. We love Kevin anyway. It was spreading like the plague. That's better. Okay. Yeah. So they send these spies in, and there's this, uh, this philosopher, church leader, thinker named Tertullian and he captured the spies' response. As they went back to the Romans, he actually got a hold of their response. And this is what they said after going into these Christian gatherings. They said, These Christians are strange people. No argument there. They're strange people. They meet together in an empty room and they worship. Which means they they, they sing and proclaim truths about God in this context. He says they these were what the spies said. They don't have an image. Because all of the Roman deities had wood or clay or stone images, but there's no image there. They speak of one by the name of Jesus, who is absent from their gathering, but whom they seem to be expecting at any time. That is a strange group of people. And here's the part that captures me. And my, how they love him and how they love one another. What if over the next couple years, this was what we were known for? They're not the, the, they're strange. Their communicator says all sorts of, stuff just falls out of his mouth. We cross the spectrum of age and gender and race and socioeconomic. And my, how we have learned to love one another in a polarizing world where people cannot get into the same room. We've got, we've got people strongly left-leaning and strongly right-leaning, and they somehow come to the center for worship. And my, how they love one another. And we have people in their 80s and 90s and in their teens, and they sit next to each other, and my, how they love one another. Could you imagine what a unifying force we would be in the world if our main markers were the... man, look how they love God. And these Romans, by the way, they didn't fully get it. They're singing to someone who's not there, but they expect him to come back at some point. They're an odd group. They didn't get it but they said there's something about the way they love him and about the way they love one another. Two thoughts as we head into this series, head into our week. One, if you've never experienced the love of God to you, then it's very hard to experience the love of God through you. And maybe you're here today, and when I talk about God as a perfect heavenly father running through back streets and alleys to find a child who's run away, maybe you would say that describes me. And if that's you, I want to tell you it's not a coincidence that you're here today. It is that God is calling you, drawing you, searching for you because God loves you. You are the object of his affection. And maybe today's the day for you to come back into the relationship with God that you were always designed to experience. So I'm going to pray in just a second, and I'll give you the space to invite God to be the leader and the savior of your life. The second thought is this. If you're a follower of Jesus, would you consider doing experiments over the next two months as we continue this series? And this week's experiment is simply this. Would you consider waking up every morning and asking God, say, Heavenly Father, what does love require of me today? And then just look for opportunities to love. And come back next week and let's see how it goes. Let's pray together. Jesus, would you help us to continue to be a community who is marked deeply by the love of God that flows to us and the love of God that flows through us? Would you show us how to be a community that loves everyone always? People who are like us, people who are not like us, people who think differently, act differently, choose differently, vote differently. God, show us how to be a people in Sonoma County marked by your great love, and marked by the love that we have for one another in this world? Would it permeate everything that we do, everything that we say, and every part of who we are? And friend, if you're here today and you're ready to make that decision to enter into a relationship with Jesus, you can simply say a prayer to him, inviting him to be the leader and the savior of your life I'll share a prayer and you could repeat it with me or you can use your own words. There's nothing magic to the formula. It's simply a way to talk to God and express the thing that you are experiencing right now. So you could repeat these words where you're sitting. You could say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you love me and that you gave your life to pay the penalty for my sin, for the places where I have hurt others hurt myself, and hurt you. God, would you come into my life? Would you bring healing in the places where others have hurt me? Would you show me how to bring healing to the places where I have hurt others? Would you help me to know your great love? And then would you lead me on this journey of loving you and others? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message.